Are you ready to take action to attain the lifestyle of your dreams? It's a great way to make a lot of money fast, fast, fast. Hey, what's going on, Clever Investors? Welcome back to the Clever Investor Show. I'm your lucky host, the OG Clever Investor, Big Spurbs. Today in the studio, we got two badass SEC attorneys that are going to help us make a whole bunch of money. And of course, my business partner, Brian, is back. We have Bethany. And Mauricio Raul in the studio. Let's go. All right. So uh, let's kick this show off. So look, I I had Bethany and Mauricio in in here because Bryant and I are coming up with a new fund and we need to raise a lot of money. We're doing a lot of cool things in commercial real estate and we don't want to fuck it up. We don't want to end up in prison. We don't want to piss any investors off. We don't want to set up our foundation the wrong way. So we want to do things exactly to the T, the right way. Because when you're raising capital, you cannot screw it up. Like there is no room for any mess ups. So we, you know, maybe explain like what we're going to do with our new fund at Clever Capital Fund. Do we have a name for this particular fund yet? Just the $50 million fund? <laughs> the big ass <laughs> That's fund. That's amazing. No, big this, ass fund. This one is definitely going to be a value add fund. It's going to be an equity fund. We're going to share in depreciation and we're going to uh, give fixed a double digit returns. So this one's really awesome. Our first fund was just a, a simple credit fund. Uh, 10, 11, 12 for a one, two, three year commitment. This one's going to expand a little bit farther. It's going to go 12 month, 36 month, and 60 month commitment for 10, 12, or 14%. Add in, sprinkle a little depreciation, make it an equity fund, not a credit fund, debt fund. And then in addition to that, we're also going to do some education and break down the deals along the way through some webinars to show everybody how we buy banks, what we do to, to, to value add, and how we make millions of dollars uh, with the fund's money. So I'm already confused because that's different from what he just said about 20 minutes ago. So I want to dive, dive into that. <laughs> yeah, we, got, we, we, we got these two badasses on here. So we, me and Brian can hash out how to actually pull this thing together. Um, how, how long have you guys been SEC attorneys? Did I give my age away? 24 years. 24 years. Yeah, I'm 25 because I'm one up in you. So yeah, 25 since 1999. Which means he's older than I am. Look at the hair, dude. Look at the hair. Yeah, yeah. You that know, means you're wise. Look at that. Means you're smart. And you guys have a company together called the Premier Law Group. You guys have been helping investors. Like all the big dogs have been using you guys to set up their funds. I think you need, by the way, like when I see your website, I think you need like all the big dogs' faces on your it's website. Coming. So it's that way you show just yeah. what badasses you're actually, you guys are. It's coming. We, we haven't done a good job on the website, but yeah, we, we do represent a lot of the big people that I'm sure everybody knows. And so Drop some names. Uh, you know, <laughs> the Brandon Turners of the world. The Brandon Turners, yeah. yeah. The Ryan Pinettas of the world. Tarek Almusa. Tarek Almusa. The Justin, Brian Applis Justin of Wallers the of the world. The Brian Applis of the world. Amen. <laughs> I like it. All right, cool. Well, um, we need it. First off, we need a name for this fund. And the whole concept is, we're buying a lot of cool stuff in commercial real estate and we need a lot of capital to be able to do that. When you raise money, there's definitely a wrong way to do it, right? What are some of the big mistakes a lot of new investors make when they're trying to raise capital? Probably the number one mistake new investors make is not even realizing that they're selling securities. Because that's what we are. We are securities attorney, SEC attorneys, right? And so people go out there and they start raising money. Like, oh, I'm going to go raise 500 grand or a million bucks or 200 grand. And they don't even think about these regulations or the securities. And it makes sense because they're buying real estate. Like, why in the world is the SEC, the Securities and Exchange Commission, even involved? But the reality is anytime you're taking money from passive investors 
where the returns are generated by your efforts, meaning you're doing all the work, generating the return and giving it to the investors, that's by definition a security, which then opens up all the regulatory frameworks that we that we specialize in. And that's where half your listeners are like, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> I've sold securities. Well, 80% of the listeners, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, I, and I've told this story in other uh, another podcast. When I first wanted to raise some money just to do some rehabs and stuff like that, I just started putting the word out to anybody who would listen, like, hey, I need some capital. And, you know, one guy came in with 100 grand, somebody else came in with 50 grand, somebody else came in with 250 grand. And I just took all their money and I just threw it in my operating account because I needed money to go buy rehabs. And I, at the time, I was buying a lot of properties at the foreclosure auctions. And I didn't think anything of it. I was just like, look, it's not a big deal. A couple of friends, a couple acquaintances that I met at networking events. It wasn't like I raised $100 million, it was a little bit of money. And it was all good until one of the people was going through a divorce and they said, I need my money back. And then I was like, I can't give your money back, dude. Like, we're cool. I already told you what I, I it's not like I went and bought a Lamborghini. I, I, I bought a house. Like, here's the address. You know where your money's at. He was like, no, I need my money and I need it like right now. Right now. And I was like, that's not how this thing works. Right. Until I get a phone call from somebody like one of you two, maybe you called me. I don't know. So the lady was a badass because yeah. she filleted me in like three seconds. She scared the you know what out yeah. of me. It was like, you're violating the securities law, blah, 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 blah. You're actually selling a security. You're not allowed to collude money or whatever she called it and it, pool. it pull, pulled money in your operating account. So here's what's going to happen I'm going to audit all your shit. Then I'm going to contact every person that ever gave you money and we're all going to come after you for debt for this violation. I was like, let me get your money back, sir. <laughs> right away, boom, made magic happen, yeah. got the money back. And so that's the wrong way to do it, right? Yeah. And in fact, that's what I, actually, that's what I generally recommend when I have, you know, limited partners and say, hey, there's an issue with the with the deal. What should I do? And I'm like, well, you know, if you tell them that if you don't get your money back, you're going to pick up the phone and call the regulators, that usually scares the sponsors into like, okay, well, let me get you your money back. But uh, yeah, that's one of the, that's one, it's not uncommon. Your story is not uncommon. So the story of like, I don't know what I was doing when I started and I just raised a bunch of money and it's not until later that you realize all the issues you've done. So you're not alone in that. So, so don't feel bad, Cody. Everybody does it. But uh, yeah, it's definitely not the wrong way to do it. Yeah, well. I'm that was like 15 years ago. Yeah, right? that was a long yeah, time I mean, ago. We just What's started. The we just started. Yeah. We just started. <laughs> like, was, we just, let's get, let's get a very clear thing. I'm not doing that today. Yeah. When we started five years ago, as me being your partner, um, you know, this is our third fund yeah. now. So we've always made sure that we make sure every T is crossed and does. I is dotted and I've, you know, taken extreme ownership of traveling the country. Um, I'm in uh, capital raising masterminds groups and, uh, you know, worked with probably four different securities attorneys yeah. by now. And so I'm happy to finally land with you guys. Um, and the fund for Clever Capital Fund is is going to be amazing. It's, it's going to be our largest fund. It's going to be a $100 million fund. So we're super, million? we're super excited. I thought you said 50 million. Grown. No, 100 million. See, this is what happens yeah. when your partner is thinking way bigger than you. What are we going to do with $100 million, baby? We're going to buy a lot of commercial real estate. We better turn it into a $100 million could buy, what, $500 million dollars yeah. worth of shit? Yeah. <laughs> All right. That's about that. You know how many banks you can buy with that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We got we to expand our, our, our my, at least my belief system. How am I going to raise $100 million? Well, we're going to prom. We're going to give. 
Nope. Great, great returns. <laughs> right away. Well, you've already Say done the word guarantee again, Brian. There's some things that I learned. You cannot say the word guarantee. You can say the word fix. You can say the word performer. You can say, um, you know, other other things aligned with, um, you know, uh, just estimated, but, you know, projected. Um, but you can't say guaranteed. Um, we are going to be utilizing uh even if it's like a marketing play like if i'm real slick with my marketing words can i somehow put the word guarantee in a sentence that alludes to the concept the but only, i'm not actually yes. talking yes the, but the only ahead. thing that we can guarantee is that we are not going to receive a dime until they get their returns. preferred returns what a great student. Man, right. we just talked about this not too long ago, and here he is. You are a very coachable. You learn lines awesome. faster than Mauricio does. <laughs> All right, so let, let's take a quick step back before we get into that, because I want to unpack the our fund and talk about our stuff cool. so that way everybody can kind of listen in on us asking our SEC attorneys how we're going to pull this together. But let's take a step back. What are the different types of funds or options for an investor? If they roll up to you and they don't really know what's what yet, and they're like, okay, I think I want to raise some capital. Are you going to educate them on the different types of funds? What are all the different types of funds for them? Yeah, we are. Yeah, I mean, usually, there's, there's a lot of options. So usually somebody comes to us and they already have an idea of what they want to do. But the, most people start with a project-specific investment. Like they're raising money to go buy that particular building. We have an address. We have a specific game plan for that deal. Where I'm going to raise the money. I'm going to you know, do a value add. I'm going to fix it up. I'm going to you know, upgrade everything. I'm going to raise the rents. I'm going to do that. We have a specific plan. And that's the easiest type to raise money for because investors can see what you're doing. They can look at your assumptions. They can look at the pretty pictures. They know where it is. So that's how most people start. But at some point, you know, after you get, you know, like you guys have been doing this for a while, you especially you've been doing this a long time, you know, you get to the point where you've, you've got your, uh, you've done a good, you've got a great track record. You've got experience. You've got, you know, people know that you're a good operator. Mm -hmm. Then people kind of go to the next level, which is, well, let me just put together a a fund, what we call a blind pool fund, which which is a little bit different because you don't actually know exactly what you're buying. You can't point to, hey, I'm buying this building, this building, this building. Correct. What you're telling is, I'm going to go raise money and buy these types of buildings. And so you give them sort of an idea, uh, a sort of a profile of the types of things you're going to buy, but you, you don't actually see it. And so people are investing really more in you guys. Like, I trust you guys and I'm going to give you my money. I know that you guys are good and I know I know you're going to put the money in a good place, but I don't know where you're putting it and, until after the fact. I, I, don't, I don't get to say. I don't get to say, hey, I don't like that deal. I'm not going to put my money in. It's like you put your money in first. Trust that you guys are going to, you know, execute the business plan, invest in the stuff that the that we the criteria that we we gave them on the front end. And we have real case studies in our pitch deck and our marketing. Of and so we've we've been there before. It's not our first time. Yeah, yeah. And so that's what's awesome. And what you were referring to earlier is a syndication where it's a simple address, and you're just using an SPV special purpose vehicle fund to raise money for that specific deal. And then when that deal's over, everybody is compensated and paid out. When Here and here's the challenge. It is much harder to raise money for a fund. Much harder. So that $50 million, it's much easier to raise $50 million if you tell them, I'm going to go buy this you know, 500-unit apartment building or this portfolio of five buildings and investors can actually see what you're buying. When it's a blind fund, it's, it's harder because you know they just they can't challenge your assumptions. They can't say, well, I don't like that market. I don't like this address. I don't like that game plan. They're literally putting all that trust in you guys, and so uh, it, and it's I and I would agree to some capacity. However, I also have interviewed a lot of investors. I've done a lot of you know the research and diversification 
over a certain address because with things correcting and capital calls and interest rates and being able to not know when you really can exit something versus a fund when it has an expiration of either 12 months or 36 months or 60 months. And we're only placing that money that we raised for those time periods in projects that allow us to have you know a guaranteed exit. If, if we're going to do a 12-month uh capital raise and we're going to put that inject that money into properties those are only going to be our fix and flips that are three to four month exit strategies if we're going to do a 36 month and we have that much capital that came in for the three-year commitment at the 12 percent we're going to put those into our new construction new builds you know value add quick uh, existing structure things where we don't have to go through entitlements or rezoning things that won't get caught for yeah. more than three years. Right. And, and you, so we're, we're very cautious and diversifying between the commercial, the fix and flip, and our new construction allows less risk mitigation for, you know, for the investor versus a single property that you know, we, we all know. I mean, I've invested in the private equity. I've invested in the multi, many multifamily deals that we've invested into with some of the best operators. And we're not getting our pref. We're getting capital called. Uh, they don't know what they think that they're underwater in the property, all those things. And that's what we're trying to avoid with our equity fund and diversifying. So I, I love funds, not just for the diversification, but also because of the strategy that's involved and the flexibility that it gives you to provide better value to your investors. But there's actually a really cool model that you can do that I think is the best of both worlds, okay. which is you identify one asset and you raise with the investors and say, we found one and we're going to go buy more like this. Yep. So they get to look at your underwriting of the one. They get to look at the dirt. They get to see the address and all the things. And you give them that comfort. And then you go, you like that? Super. We're going to do more of so that. So we got to let the investors see up our skirts a little bit. A little bit. We, we just got to yeah. show them the goods. <laughs> but then, hey, we're going to get more of this. This is yeah. coming your way. You like what you see? That, yeah. That's okay. the cool thing is that we're actually going to do deal breakdown analysis at each deal when it closes and each deal when we purchase it in our updates that we're going to provide monthly to our investment group. And so they get education along the way. So they get education, they're going to get some depreciation and they're going to get those, you know, pro forma that, double digit so, interest returns. So break, break, real quick, break down the different types of funds real fast. I just yeah. want like the basics. Like, yeah. Well, when you say, so let's use vernacular. Because when people say funds, sometimes they, they reference sort of, well, the fund allows that, so that's, project specific syndication. I don't think of that as a fund, but that's option one. So option one is, like we said, I've identified a property. I do all my underwriting and all my due diligence on the property. And then I raise money for that particular property. Then you move into a blind fund, which is a like the reverse. You're raising the money first, and then you're finding the property. It's literally the reverse. The first one, you buy the property, then you raise the money. With a fund, you invest the money, you raise the money first, then you invest in the property. And then the third type of fund is what we call sort of a fund of funds, which means you actually raise money into your fund, but instead of buying real estate or buying your own assets, you actually invest in other people's funds or other people's syndications. Um, and that's what we call the fund of funds. So those are basically your three options. And then there's Bethany's actually, which is a good point. It's kind of like the, almost the best of both worlds is that I call it a hybrid fund, but it's, it's just a made up word. But a hybrid fund is exactly that. It's, it's you've got a specific property or, or specific properties that you've already identified and you're in contract and you're, you're looking to close. So you show the investors that, but then once you close on those, you continue to raise for other similar projects. And so it's almost like a little bit of a hybrid because it's like a syndication and also a blind fund. I call them a hybrid funds. Okay. And, and what I was driving towards is we set up a fund. Can anybody put money in it? 
Ah, that's who are your investors. So we're, we're, we're utilizing a Reg D 506C. Thank you, Brian, for showing up to the party here. That's what I'm talking Absolutely. about. What does that mean? I am here. I am here. That means that we only are accepting accredited investors. Um, they need to go to a website called verifyinvestor.com or get a letter from their CPA, um, million dollars net worth or $200,000 of income in the last two years or $300,000 if married. You can do our with, job. With the anticipation of making the same in the future. So this is where I was trying to this. pull out of you guys. So like, this what is, is so a good. five, uh, a reg D oh, versus a reg whatever. Let's talk about that. Cause I think Brian, you did a, you did a massive job you really for, every, for everybody listening, just to kind of pull it back so they get the context. Mm-hmm. Once you understand that you are raising money from passive investing, once you're selling securities, which is what we're doing, there's three things you need to worry about. Number one, you either need to register that security with the SEC, or you need to find an exemption to registration, or it's illegal. Those are your three options. You register, find an exemption, it's legal. You never register because that's IPO. That's going public. Maybe eventually your fund gets big enough and eventually you want to go public, but you don't go public right away. You don't want to do anything illegal. That's why you hired us. So we're, we're looking always for the exemptions because we don't want to register. So what's the exemption we're going to rely on? And the vast majority of syndicators will rely on, like you said, Brian, Reg D, Regulation D, which is one of the exemptions. And within D, there's a 506B option or a 506C. And you guys are picking 506C because 506C allows you to advertise the fund. General solicitation. You can generally solicit. You can accept people that you've never met before. You literally can meet them. You know, there's an event going outside this building. If you went out there, had a couple of, you know, a couple of drinks with people and then, hey, you want to invest in my deal, you can do that uh, with the 506E. But to your point, you're limited to accredited investors only. And you gave the perfect definition. It's anybody who has $200,000 in income the last two years with a reasonable expectation of earning that this year, or if you're married or have a spouse, $300,000 or a million dollars in net worth, excluding your primary residence. Those are kind of your two, two options. Uh, with a C, you do have to verify. And you brought that up. You have to take what's called reasonable steps to verify that those investors are in fact accredited. So you can't take the word for it. And you can verify by going to that Verify Investor website, or there's a bunch of them yeah, out there. Or you can go markets. get a letter from your accountant. We're not going to verify them. The best, would, two, we, we the, the best two way, the, the best way is a third party because you don't, yes. most CPAs, by the way, aren't going to, they're not going to give you a letter that's suitable. They're not going to want to put themselves on the on the hook there. So the best thing you can do is the third party, which is Parallel Markets, Verify Investor, one of those Correct. websites. Super easy, not that expensive. Which is awesome because, you know, then we can work through the general solicitation and- I get screamed from the mountaintops. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You can let I'm people- I'm surprised you don't have a Super Bowl ad coming out. Like, yeah. you should literally get a Super <laughs> I mean, Bowl I saw, ad. I saw that, that, that uh, uh, the Super Bowl ads are the most expensive in history this year. It's going to be crazy. But the, but they're also reaching a, a wide audience, so it's uh, it's not necessarily a, they're a good they value sure still. I've, I've been hearing you know I've been hearing they're a good value. Yes, they're expensive, but you're also the amount of eyeballs you have it. There's nothing that compares to it. Yeah, we just heard a story of because uh, we're in the flooring business now, and with our new company Floor Daddy, and we were hearing a story of how somebody else ran a Super Bowl ad, kind of a local version, but it was still very expensive and put their ass out of business. They didn't make enough money. Oh, <laughs> they wow. didn't make enough money yeah. to make their money back. Wow. And uh, they, their business. They should have hired you, man. They should have hired you on the marketing. I know we could have made, we could have made it sexier. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so that's if we want to go after accredited investors. Yep. Now, what if we want to just t- you know, let's say uh, we want to give the average mm-hmm. Joe or Jane out there a shot, right? Because like for our fund, what do we think our minimum investment is going to be? Fifty thousand. Okay, so if you're not accredited and you ain't got fifty G's, you can't even play the game. Okay. A lot of people can't do that. So if I wanted to work with somebody who said, who's maybe brand new, working a normal job, has 
you know, 10,000 bucks saved up. They want to put 2000 $3,000 towards a, an investment and go around and say, hey, I'm in the game. I'm, right. I'm, I invested some money. I'm in real estate. Yep. There's a, that's a reg CF. There's right? a couple there's, of yeah, few few options there. Yeah, there's a couple of exemptions. So I'll touch on a few, but one of them is this Rule 506B, which mm -hmm. is sort of the original, the OG of the Rule 506B. <laughs> so 506B does allow you to take a limited number of non high net worth individual. We call them non-accredited investors. You can, Up to 35, you, right? Look to at 35. this guy. Look and at they, this and guy. they've got to be sophisticated. Brian, all this uh, education, you, know, you flying all over the country going to these events is really paying off. Hey, I'm making sure that we're doing everything right well, and I our investors are he's protected. Just, he's just checking out the YouTube channel, man. He's just called, It's all on the YouTube <laughs> channel. Cody. It is. It is. <laughs> so yeah, so you can take up to 35 non-accredited investors. You can self-certify so you can, as long as you have a reasonable belief, you don't have to go get a verification or anything like that. The challenge with that exemption is simply you cannot advertise. You cannot generally solicit. You generally have to have what's called a pre-existing relationship, a pre-existing substantive relationship with that person. So it's usually, it's meant to really be your inner circle. These are my friends, my family, people I already know. That's what, you know, 506B is 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 meant for. And to be honest with you, the vast majority uh, of our clients use 506B because inevitably when you're raising, especially when you're just starting out and you got, you know, you've got your friends and family, you know, inevitably, you know, Aunt Karen, Uncle Bob, they're, they're non-accredited. So if you want to get them in, you do 506B. And there's a lot of newbies that are out there starting funds. It's getting more and more popular yeah. because people don't want to pool. People don't want to, you know, do it the wrong way. They're, they're learning that you can, you know, set up a fund and it's actually pretty common and you can set up a fund for, you know, your small business. You can set up a fund for real yeah. estate. You can yeah. set up a fund for crypto. You can set up a fund for funds, fund you funds, you know, all anything. sorts of different things right now. Yeah. And as long as you're following the rules, you're good. So talk to talk about a little bit about converting a 506B to a 506C oh, I in love the you. middle. He's, like, you can take our jobs. Oh, Have you ever thought about going to law school? I know. No, don't do it. We, we talked about this yesterday. We do not recommend that you become a lawyer. Yes. <laughs> I don't know. We could use you, man. You do, I know. On. You're doing a good job. <laughs> Could Brian I'm, be I'm, your paralegal? Let's get our $100 million filled. And <laughs> yeah. uh, Once he's retired, he'll yeah, come work for you. And he'll do it for free. So I love 506B to 506C mm -hmm. um, for a couple of reasons. One is I like it when people are getting started because they want to get their friends and family in, that kind of thing, or people who want to let sort of the little guy come in, um, whatever. But also- Yeah, because I don't give a shit about my friends and family. I'm just trying to let the average listener in on our deals. Yeah, yeah. Hey, I'm trying to hook you up. <laughs> whatever it is. But there, and there's a couple of reasons why you might do that. One is to let the friends and family in. The other is to let to let um, the the smaller investors in. And maybe it's you can't. You need to convert to a C for two reasons. One is maybe you can't fill the whole thing with your friends and family. I know I wouldn't have been able to fill a whole, especially not a hundred million dollars with people I know well enough to qualify for five hundred six B. The other reason is to leverage an audience, which you have, right? So you want to leverage the audience. You want to be able to shout it from the rooftops, take out a Super Bowl ad, whatever. It gives you the best of both worlds. You get to get all those people in that you really want to have in there, and then you get to then advertise after that. If it's set up properly. Yep, correct. You get uh, to eat. What's the saying? You get to have, have your cake, cake and, and eat, eat it, it too. <laughs> <laughs> so I have a question. Um, a lot of people are just like scared of funds. Should we be scared of funds? Because everybody's like, well, I want to get into real estate, but man, um, I don't have any money. Is our funds is super scary or are they I, pretty much like, how can you bite size chunk, break it down so that it's like, you know, funds are no scarier than anything else. If you have, if you have the right people around you. Yep. So like, what do you mean by partners. scary? Like, is it difficult to start your first well, fund? Well, you know, people are scared of going to jail. 
right? You start from a taking, sin, you're talking about it from a syndicator standpoint, the person raising the money. Yeah, I mean, a lot of the reason people don't raise money from other people is because they are scared that they're going to do it wrong, right. or they're going to over leverage, or they're going to create some sort or, of Ponzi. If I was new, I think my fear wouldn't be so much. Am I going to do wrong? It's like. I try to do this fun thing and I try to raise $5 million and I end up raising 200 grand. And then yeah. I'm kind of like feeling like a failure or like, what do I do now? I took 200 grand for my two friends, hundred grand each. And that's my whole fund. Like now, now what? Yeah. And the, the challenge, especially for newbies is that, you know, there's a cost, obviously, as you guys know, there's a mm -hmm. cost to do the compliance. And so you end up paying that out of pocket. And then you, to your point, you only raise 200 grand and you don't do the fund. Well, you've already spent a ton of upfront costs to get the fund off the ground and you didn't raise all the money. You're it, kinda, what would happen in that scenario? Would they just like launch the money back and call it a day? Yeah. yeah. But you're, you, but, but the, the, the upfront cost gets borne by the, the syndicator. I mean, you, you could do it with the investor, but that's not a typical thing. So in the documentation, we say, look, if for whatever reason, the fund doesn't move forward, we just return all your money. So uh, what I learned along the way is work with sponsors, GPs, that have a proven track record, leverage their track record, they'll bring you in as a fund to fund, right? Not a co-GP, not that kind of stuff. Like that was a big thing where there was like 30 different co-GPs on one thing. Like that's a huge. That, don't don't do that. Don't try to be a GP just because you raised money. You got to do more. And let's talk about that. How what qualifies you as a GP versus an LP versus a just somebody that raises money and earns a GP title? You can't just raise money to earn a GP title. Can no, you we, cannot. Let's elaborate. I, you've definitely been paying attention. That's you're my favorite. <laughs> <laughs> I love this. You you can't to be a GP. You have to or a co-sponsor or co-manager is the technical the correct terms. A co-manager to to earn that position, you actually have to have substantial duties. You're allowed to raise money for these. We call it the issuer exemption. You're allowed to raise money without being a licensed broker dealer because you're raising money to operate your business, which is a syndication business. If it's not your business, then you don't get to make money raising money for it, right? That's that's not. So if you don't have substantial duties, then you're not really an owner. It's not your business. So you don't get that So you have to be exemption. active in the voting. You have to be active in the construction or the management. In some, things like yeah, that. Something in some other capacity. than raising money that's, that's, that's important, yeah. right? And- and what you make as a co-manager or a GP or co-sponsor, whatever you want to call it, what you make has to make sense for those substantial other duties, meaning it can't fluctuate up or down based on whether or not or how much you raise. Mm -hmm. So it's got to be a set amount based on the other so duties. you're telling me that if I just met you off the street or I was meeting other people and they're like, oh, you have a fund. Well, I, I know my rich uncle and he's got $5 million. Can you pay me if... If he invests, say, a million dollars with you, um, can I get 10% or whatever? And the answer is, I appreciate you making an introduction. However, uh, that would be against securities law for me to compensate you um, for you know, bringing money yeah. because you don't have a securities license. However, um, as more research, and this is a little gray, but we were talking about it earlier, there is something considered calling a finder's fee, but it's a flat fee and it's not based on how much capital is coming in or if they do invest or don't invest. It's just, I'll pay you $500 for any introduction that you make and whether they invest or not, and then whether they invest a million dollars or a hundred thousand dollars, it doesn't change your 500. Is that okay? Or is that still just don't even mess with anybody? 
They have to be accredited and we appreciate the introduction. And I hope to, you know, I hope to, you know, I don't know. Yeah. Can we buy them dinner? It's tricky. <laughs> like, what it's can we tricky. Because so many people know people that have money and they're trying to get involved. Yeah, yeah but, but so here's the thing like, though. Here's the thing. The fun Raising fun. capital, you, the bottom line is that to raise capital, you generally need a license. Just like you need a license to practice law, just like you need a license to practice medicine. If you're going to go raise money for other people, you need a broker deal license. That's what you need. Now, there's an exemption to that, which we just talked about, the issue exemptions, as long as you're doing substantial duties, as long as you're not getting paid transaction-based compensation, as long as you're not, as long as the primary role is your substantial duties, you're good. Some people try and squeeze this little finder's fee, which is a very, very, you've got to, you've got to get that thread the needle. Thread the needle so tight. I, I don't think I've ever seen somebody who can do it right. If you wanted to pay somebody, the only way I would do it, to be honest, it would be safe is I said, hey, look, Cody, I've got a list of a thousand investors. They're all high net worth individuals. They're all looking for investors, man. I will give you this list. You pay me 50 grand. I'm not involved in the transaction. I'm not calling these guys up. I'm saying, hey, this guy, Cody's going to call you. He's awesome. He's got a good deal. I would I'd highly recommend you invest with him. I'm not involved at all. I'm literally making a, a referral, just like when you get paid. You know, when sometimes you get paid from, I don't know, freaking Jack in the Box and you make a referral and they give you like a $5 off or whatever. It doesn't matter whether they buy it or not. If they make the referral and the introduction, that's what you're getting paid for, then maybe. But I've yet to this day seen an introduction that doesn't violate the rules. Cause inevitably they're like, Oh, you should talk to Cody. You should talk to Brian. They're really, they really know what they're doing. They've got a great deal. Anytime you start introducing yeah, a comment, yeah, but let's say you did that and I wanted to pay you for it. I can't do that direct, but right. I just say, Hey, get me the phone number of your cousin. I go to the cousin. I say, I'm going to loan you $2,000. And if you never pay me back, I understand. And I give it to the cousin, then the cousin loans you the money, and you never pay the cousin back. It's and all I, just bad. Just I'm just saying, I watched Suits. This was an episode of Suits, <laughs> and this is how they got the money to the got right it. person, and the attorneys didn't get in trouble. I'm just, I'm just doing what they did oh, on Suits, suits over has here. Better I was gonna say, not in our they, clever they, they, fun. They it's gonna happen, but yeah, I love that. So going back to my original comment about why you want to leverage a sponsor's track record is because you'll have the opportunity to raise for their deals through a fund to fund creation, yeah. not as a co GP or anything like that, and then you can have your own accredited investor list that you're building so that when it's time for you to raise your own money for your own deals, you already have accredited investor list that you own and that's yours. Yeah. So that's I, the cool part. I love the fund of funds model, but you do have to be very careful mm -hmm. with it, right? Yeah. It's, it would be easy without proper guidance to, to trip over uh, some non-compliance because you're not only having to comply with securities laws, you also have to comply with advisory rules because you're, you really are advising uh, investors on what were your fund, or fund right? you're, yeah. you're advising your fund and what to invest in because you're buying securities. Let's just back it up. So everybody, just yeah, so we don't yeah, miss yeah. me. So sure. we, we, in a fund of funds and just using your specific example, what we do is let's just, just say me, let's say Bethany and I, we want to, we want to, we, we want to partner with you or we, we like what you're doing. So we want to raise some capital and put it into your deal. Yep. Bethany and I would create our own fund, yep. go hire our own securities attorney. We would raise the capital legally. We do a private placement memorandum. We do all. We'd follow all the same rules you guys are following. We'd go raise a million bucks or two million bucks or whatever we're raising, and then we would then invest a portion of that into your deal. Right? I would become a lim Our fund would become a limited partner in your fund. That's right. why it's called a fund of funds. And uh, to Bethany's point, in addition to worrying about your 506B or 506C, which we talked about, anyway, it opens up a whole new can of worms and other regulatory issues. Because now, what happens? Check this out. You guys are investing in real estate. I'm investing in shares in your company. I'm investing in securities. 
That's why it's a completely new ballgame. If I was investing in real estate, I don't need a license to go buy real estate. Anybody can go buy real estate, uh, uh, buy real estate. But if you're now buying securities, you may need a license. I know we got to look at all that. All so that let's just help somebody understand that because if we're raising, let's say, a $50 million fund and you're like, I love that you guys got this in, these interest rates and you know this this uh, I get to participate in the equity. Okay, we're gonna put we're gonna take our fund that has two million dollars and we're gonna take a million and inject it into your yep, fund. Perfect. Now you're getting the returns I would be giving, and are yes. you passing those through to your people That's or yes. whatever question. your deal is? So with them? my revenue, instead of being the revenue from operations or from rents, my revenue is the distribution that you're giving me. Right. So when you distribute whatever you're distributing to your investors, so you I'm might be your promising investors. your people seven percent. We're promising you 10% or 12% right. or yeah. 14% yeah. and you're keeping the spread. Yeah. What will probably happen is like, let's say, let's say we invest a million bucks and then you give me a hundred thousand dollars. That's my annual 10% return. Right. So I get a hundred thousand dollars. I might split that 80, 20 with my investors. I give my investors 80% to 80 grand and I keep 20% for doing all the work, for setting it up right, for getting to know you guys, for, for doing all the due diligence on you guys, for doing the due diligence on your fund, for, for putting in all, in all the work and setting up the fund, then obviously you're going to get compensated. And the typical compensation model, and I think it just comes from the hedge fund world, is that two and 20, which is I take a 2% at what's called an asset management fee. So it's 2% of the, of the funds that I have under asset management is kind of my ongoing fee. And then I take 20% of the profits. So if you give me a hundred grand, I'll take 20, 20 grand. I'll give 80 grand to my investors. And that's how typically the, the master fund would get compensated. But you guys just treat me as a regular investor. I just happen to be a kind of an institutional guy. Cause I'm, 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 right. a, I'm a big fund. So, so to clarify that, then that means that if I'm out raising money, Mauricio is raising money for your fund. You are not paying us to raise the money. Correct. You're giving us a return just like any other investor. Now, if we're smart, we're going to, we're going to negotiate with you and say, Hey dude, we're writing a real big check. I want a better return than your $50,000 investors. Okay. So, that, so that's really interesting. So I can, if I put out a PPM in marketing that says, you give us money for one year, we give you this return. Three years, we give you this return. And what Five does the PPM stand for? The private, private placement, placement memorandum. memorandum. I don't yeah. think you need, we can probably just go grab lunch or something. <laughs> I don't think you need <laughs> they don't even need us. Need no. Brian, thanks, Brian, for checking me. Um, uh, and we put out all this marketing and everybody starts piling in. But then you come in with a bigger check. I can cut any deal I want with you. It doesn't matter what I've already done with everybody else. The, the better time to do it is before you start raising any money. Because if you cut a better deal with us after you've raised money, you've got to go back and let your investors know. And uh, if they want out, you're, you're probably going to have to figure out a way to get them out because you've now put them behind. So somebody. what's a creative way for me to give you a better deal without having to go back to $25 million worth of other investors yeah. and like make it right to them? Out of, to, take it out of your well, cut. Yeah, if exactly. it's out of your cut, it doesn't affect the investors, right? If you're giving the investors a 15%, 12%, 14% return, and you want to give a little bonus to me and Bethany Kavarfa, but it's coming out of your pocket, your share, then that doesn't affect the investors. There's no material change for the investors. They're still getting the same stuff. So that's I don't have to way disclose to that to anybody. And we can no, also you create, can give away your we own. Create, create classes in our PPM that, that's where the better we have option. thresholds yeah, and benchmarks. You know, at, yeah. $500,000 or more, you're going to get yeah, this. That's the best yeah. option is to plan Un ahead for it. Unpack that real quick. Well, well you just clear, clear, let them clarify. Oh, let yeah. me clarify. You're not, so, so you're not the damn attorney. No, no, no. Yeah, no, no right. But he's got, no, he's got it, it down. Good. He's got yeah. it down. So it's go good. ahead. So the best. By the way, this is the first time we've been on a podcast together. So it's really, it's really We're challenging for us to not step on each other. I just want to let you know that. I love it. You'll see that I'm sometimes just like, go ahead. Take it away. Take it away. I'm like, 
<laughs> so I think the best thing to do is to plan ahead and and plan ahead for large check writers, whether it's going to be a fund of funds or or, or private equity or, you know, some really rich Family uncle, office, something whatever like that. it is. Yeah. To plan ahead and create a, a bigger class that has says, you know, if you invest more than 500,000 or you invest more than a million bucks, we're going to give you this return. Everybody knows upfront that that exists. Right. So if it happens, it happens. If it doesn't, it doesn't. Right. So you're planning ahead for it. And then your other investors already know that there's a possibility of that happening. So you don't have to go back and apologize to anybody. So I could say, hey, you put up 500 grand or more in this new clever capital fund. We're going to call this the big sexy fund. Um, we need a name. Uh, not only am I going to give you this extra, you know, bonus, a little, little whipped cream on, action on it. You also can come to my cool treehouse resort in Belize that I happen to own. <laughs> there you go. And you get to come, you know, hang out yeah. with a bunch of other cool people. We'll do some retreats and other stuff. So they you can almost qualify for like perks. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's right. We, um a lot of a lot of funds do that. A lot of uh, straight up syndications will do that. They'll have sort of a special club. Brian uh I'm sorry, uh Brandon Turner does Cabana Club. Right. We have Empire Club at ours. So you can What's you our could club? have some. We're the Banana Hammock Club. The Banana Hammock Club. There you go. <laughs> what are we? What's the big sexy club? Yeah. It's got yeah. be sexy, sexy beast. beast this I don't is know, the something. fun part where you actually said, okay, every investor that does 250K or more, we're going to play an annual, plan an annual retreat and we're going to go over all your investment, mm -hmm. you know, criteria and other things that you're working on. And it's our own little mastermind that you get free access to. Because of this. Yeah. So now you have a trip to... I call. love this. Okay, it's, cool. Send me a postcard from that retreat. Let me know how that, how that <laughs> shit goes. I'm out, I'm out. I do want to clarify You got to cut the big boy thing. check. You want me to show up. I do want to clarify. Yeah. Right. I think a million dollars. You cut a million dollar check. Million. I'm yeah. showing up. Yeah. I'll do anything you want. Everybody Literally, I'll, already I'll sees be, you without their shirt on running in the morning. <laughs> I know. I'll be in the Chuck E. Cheese outfit. We don't outfit. need you on the dancing around. The panda, the panda hat. And by the way, yeah. the other That's thing I know you, but the other thing you can do too is like, is, you guys are in a perfect uh, spot to do this. You, we haven't finalized the fund yet, right? So we're, we, we're, we, we're not, we haven't gone to market. Mm. So if you now, if you've got a couple of other big investors right now, you can be negotiating with them today. Yeah. yeah. Say, hey, I know so-and-so. He's got five, six million dollars he wants to do. Let's negotiate. What are the terms you want to do? So that way, when we finalize the documents, we already put all those terms into the documents. Correct. So that's something you guys can do now because we haven't actually finalized. And actually, timeline-wise, since we've been working on this in the background, we've started working on this. I was working on this with four months ago, yeah. you know? So, I mean, we are, we have like weeks, a, a pseudo we are, pitch we deck already couple, created. We are a couple of weeks away yeah. from wrapping this. Wrapping okay. This so let's, up. let's, let's throw it out on the table, Brian. Sure. All right. So everybody gets to watch the, the thought process. All right. Brian and I hire you. We, we cut you what? How much, how much does a fund cost? 20 grand. Okay. So it's going to be 20 grand or less somewhere or in that less, range. 20 grand okay. or less. Yeah. Could it ever be more? Yes, it could be. Yeah. What would you, you, you got a sweet deal. Let me just you tell did. you. <laughs> yeah, usually, if it's more than $25 million, um, the risk goes up, insurance goes up, all of that, we charge more. We, we're not doing that. On your end. And SPVs, you could probably get closer to like six grand, in my experience. Just syndications for a single address versus like a debt fund, an equity fund. Those, not if you're going to do it right. Yeah. Okay. Th right, there's probably yeah, some right. stuff stripped right. away that you actually need. Yeah, is that the no? templated downloadable internet version? Did you get caught up in a fund, fund guru's yeah. no, web? Maybe, did, maybe that was because of uh, her free no, 99. Of our, just, just so you know, that was all out there. No, no, no. So let me just, there were out there. I think it's because the original fund already created a lot of it. And it was just oh, you mean kind the, of you like, mean the fund of funds? Yeah, the fund of funds we do for seventy five hundred dollars. Correct. But yeah. we also we make them. We have to. We train them. We make them. Cool. Uh, we make them do it our way. Yeah, because that's the big question: sure is, step in it. what's the entry fee to start raising money? And you can get started for as little as seventy five hundred bucks. That's right. Yeah, it makes it sound like we should throw in a set of knives. 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I used to sell Wolf's finest cutlery Cutco. So I, I did I know too. A guy. So did I. I. No way. But, <laughs> if you, but, it, but if you do the 7,500... In the next 30 days, you get to go to Belize and Ooh. hang out with Bethany at her, res- at her retreat. Hey, let's go. That's right. Yeah, I Bethany owns a treehouse resort in Belize, by the way. That's, that's right. where this, this whole concept came right. from. I do want to clarify something yes. before we move too far past, because we talked about if you don't already have a class or you want to give a, a kicker of your GP interest or your you know something of yours, right? You don't have to disclose it to your investors, but to clarify, you can't pay it to Mauricio and me. Because it looks like you're paying us to raise money. You'd have to pay it to our whole fund. And then we'd have to share it with our investors as any other income. Just to just want to clear it. Yeah, that makes sense. All right. So let's say we're going to throw out on the table. Brian and I show up. We we, we give you 20 Gs. We're like, all right, we want to set up this fund. It's going to be a $50 million fund. Not a hundred fifty billion dollar fund. Maybe it's maybe I don't know. Were you serious about the hundred million? Oh yeah. <laughs> what the fuck? We're just like you just like switch it up on me. I thought we were doing a fifty million. You want to go for two hundred? No. Yeah, keep talking. Why not? Well, I want to talk about the depreciation. Yeah. Something that's okay. news to me as well. But go so, ahead. Uh, so we yeah. want to do a hundred million dollar fund. <laughs> He's just gonna make me work forever to raise all this capital. Um, we want to do a hundred million dollar fund, and you're like, okay, what happens? Now? We say we're gonna do. A fund where we were going to do some commercial, some residential. Yeah. yeah. So right. step one is 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 we sent out first of all we sent out a questionnaire so we can get some basic information what you're trying to figure, get an idea of what you guys are going to do and then and then we get this pitch deck. You guys have been working on this pitch deck a while and so typically they'll send us whatever pitch deck you have right and and sometimes it's beautiful and perfect because they've been doing it for a while. Sometimes it's a freaking two page word document that has nothing in it. Uh, but we we want to review that because we want to get an understanding of what you think anyway you want to do it. And then we hop on a call. We do we call like a strategy call. We actually, we dive into both the questionnaire and your business plan. And that's really when we start working with structure. Like, you know, we, we had the conversation like, well, I'm thinking about doing it this way. I want to have three different classes. You know, the more time you're in, the more money you invest, you get better returns. And so we start molding the fund during those calls. And with the fund, it generally will take more than one call. It's usually, you know, one or two or three calls yeah. because there's just a lot of moving pieces, usually right? Usually by the business plan, that's like call three. <laughs> and what I noticed is it's not like black and white. It's not like you have to raise money this way. You have to pay this type of return. You can actually curate your entire fund the way that you want it and just disclose it properly in the PPM and Basically, it's like you can have your cake and eat it. Here's too. the beautiful thing about syndications that you can structure it and do whatever you want. There's very little things you cannot do, like paying capital raises and, and doing that. Very few things you can do. The, the only thing you got to make sure is that you disclose, disclose, disclose. If the investors are going into your fund and they have full disclosures, they're going open with their eyes wide open, then you guys can structure the fund however you want. We just want to make sure the disclosure. And he can sell it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, okay. So that was my thing. As as a marketer, I was like, I don't even think we're going to sell it. I think it's really offering this opportunity, to be honest with you. No, you're right about that. You know, a lot of these, a lot of people are W2 or entrepreneurs, and they are just like chomping at the bit the opportunity to learn real estate from somebody with 20 years' experience, break down deals, you know, share in some depreciation potentially, and also have a fixed double digit interest return. You know, I mean, uh, they can't even sometimes get double-digit interest returns in their own business. Some of these businesses, EBITDA is 7%, 8% on $3 million, $4 million, you know, service businesses. So the fact that we can multiply their money for them is more of an opportunity. So I think Cody's job is easy. <laughs> let's, see yeah, let's see what happens. Yeah. Well, okay. So so we, we come in, we want to do a $50 million fund. Our concept of our fund 
in our little pitch deck that we send over to you through this discovery is we want to pay investors 10, what was it? 10, 12, 15, 14? 10, 12, or 14. 10, 12, right. or 14%. One, depending three, on, or five-year commitment. Depending on how long they lend us their money for. Right? Yep. So you're going to look at that and and you're gonna, and, I, and I want to be able to generally solicit. Yep, yep. So the first thing we'll figure out is the exemption, right? Because we start with that. So, you know, what we're not going to register. We're not going to do anything illegal. So what exemption are we going to rely on? And so we ask a bunch of questions. And for you guys, it's very clear because you guys wanted to advertise. You wanted to go blast it and go to the top of the mountain and scream and say, hey, we've got a fund, we've got a webinar, you want to advertise. And so at that point, your, your, your exemptions shrink really, really fast. So there's really only two options. And so we went with the 506C option, which allows you to do that. So once we figure that out, then our whole job as securities attorneys, once we understand your deal is to pepper you with questions so we can figure out what all the risks are of your particular investment. And every investment is unique and everybody has different risks, but the way you structure it, what are the risks of doing that? What are you investing in? What are the risks in that? What loan products are you getting? What's the risk in that? What markets are you investing? So we're just, our job is to just pull that from you so we can put it into this disclosure document called the private place memorandum, the PPM, which by the way, is a funny story. I always like to equate, for those of you who don't know or haven't seen a PPM, it's it's the same as a medical consent form, right? When you go have surgery, like I, I have terrible teeth, so I get oral surgery all the time. And so I go to the oral surgery, I don't know, wisdom teeth taken out or whatever. And before they put you under, they always give that like yellow sheet, right? The medical sheet. And it just says, here are all the ways that my surgery can go wrong. I can have some bleeding. I can get an infection. I could die from getting my wisdom teeth out, right? So you just look at all those risks. You sign it. The doctor comes in, signs it again, and boom, you're off to the surgery. It's the same thing. You're We're creating this disclosure document so the investors can go in with eyes wide open and just understand the risks. And if they're comfortable with the risk, that's their call. If they're comfortable with the risk, if you guys have done a good job of educating about what the fund's about and how we've, you've been mitigating the risk, which you guys have done a really good job of mitigating the risk, then they can make a decision. They're adults. They can say, good, I like it. I want this. I want to invest this much. And they sign that disclosure document to, to say, hey, I'm aware of the risks. I know it's not guaranteed. I know there's always risks in any investment. And then you, then you move forward. Got it. So let's say they say, I'm committing my money for five years and we're giving them the highest return we can. We're two years in. They have some medical issues. They call Brian up, say, Brian, sorry, bro. I need my money back. What's the game to, plan? But you, we would work. We would work to. Well, first of all, know. no, 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 no. So hold on a sec. Yeah. If you want to work something into the docs that gives some scenario, like if that were to happen, hey, if you guys have some kind of a medical emergency and you can show me about, we're happy to give you your money back, and this is how much we're going to give you. We're just going to give you. Your but here are back. the conditions. But right? here are the conditions. So, yeah. so as long as you disclose that, now that's not generally how it works, right? How it generally works is. You're putting the money in and you commit it to two years or four years, whatever the number is. So it's an illiquid. That's one of the disclosures. It's an illiquid investment. It's not the stock market that you can liquidate tomorrow. Real estate in general is an illiquid investment. So you're expected to stick around till the end. Now, are you going to work with them? Generally, you know, good operators will tend to work, but you're under no obligation to do that. But again, if somebody's got some medical emergency, the reason I was asking is let's say that scenario happened and they're just throwing a conniption fit, but we don't want to give them their money back for whatever no reason. Obligation. Is there any, there's no legal obligation. There's, no legal for us obligation. To do that. there's a contractual no. arrangement with your investors and there's no agreement. In fact, we've told them, Hey, you so are at, not going to be able to get your money back. So at that point, if they sued the fund, nothing, they're, they're not going to have much. Now at that point, you better hope you had good lawyers to make sure that there's nothing to peel back though, to nab you on. Yeah. Right. Cause this is like the redemption option example we talked about earlier. We're like, mm -hmm. well, I'm not really sure. That would be an example of a, a reason why you might give a, a redemption option, which is really just an investor's it, option to get out and rules around it. Yeah. I mean, it's the same thing when I get a mortgage on a house, 
or a property and they have something that's called a prepayment penalty, mm-hmm. right? They're going to charge me a five, four, yeah. three, two, yeah. one and step down. And if I have a million dollar mortgage on a property and I want to sell it within six months, I just now have to pay $50,000 penalty. Right. If I only invested a hundred grand and I got a $50,000 penalty, um, yeah. but yeah, but you don't give me your to, money you back, but you're basically losing an opportunity. But thing, now that's only, that's only if we choose to enforce that type sure, of penalty but you've got to be careful in, though. In, into the you've got to be careful because you don't want to start treating investors differently. So yeah, it's better important. to plan for it Correct. ahead of time. Yeah. Now, one thing we do bake in to the docs as as sort of a a default is if if an investor can go find a third party offer on their units, right? And the third party says, "Well, I'll buy them for you." On maybe there's a discount. Maybe it's just for the whatever uh, they put in. Maybe it's something else. I don't know. If what. They transfer their, yeah, but their to another accredited investor for the first. same amount of funds. Y- yeah. Maybe there's no penalty. Sure. But they've got to bring it to you first, and you've got to write a first refusal to go. You know, what? we're gonna do it instead of you selling it, or we're just gonna say no. Yeah. Right. So mm. it, it at least provides okay, a, that's interesting. a path. So it gives them an out if they want to swap places with another accredited investor. Yeah, right. It's great to yeah. think about. What is a subscription agreement compared to the PPM? What what are why is there two things? And when is a PPM needed and mandatory versus just recommended to protect somebody that creates a fund? All right. I'll start with the subscription and you want to talk about the PPM? Sure. That. So a subscription agreement is different than the PPM. The PPM is just that risk disclosure, that that dis, that disclosure, consent form, whatever. That's like what Mauricio was just talking about. That's all disclosures. The subscription agreement is really the contract where the investor agrees to give you the money and how much they agree to give you. Right. So that's where they're going to sign. That what the shares or the units. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's still an operating agreement to sign, which is how they get their ownership. But mm-hmm. the subscription agreement is the contract that says, I'm in, I'm investing. This is how much I'm investing. They're going to probably get five documents, right? Yeah. They're going to get okay. a private place memorandum, number one. Mm-hmm. Number two, they're going to get an operating agreement because they're going to be a member of your fund. I mean, they're going to be a member of your LLC. If it's an equity fund. It's yeah. an equity. Number three, you're going to have a subscription agreement. Number four, you're going to have an investor questionnaire. Right to, that tells you, hey, I'm accredited, I'm not accredited, and you're verified. And number five, you're going to have your business plan usually attached as the last exhibit. That's what I call the offering documents, those five documents. Correct. Yep. Got it. All right. So now let's say I get my fund up, I'm raising money, I get out of my 100 million, I get 40 million. There's, there's okay. no obligation. If you I'm, raise I'm, 200 grand, you're like, yeah, that's good enough. I'm going to put the 200 so grand can, somewhere. I can raise up to a certain amount, but at any point, now, is there a time limit on how long I can raise this money? Again, what is a doc? What do you guys want to do? Because so some, some cool, people, some cool people, we were talking about. It. Some Open people end, do that. Close in, no, evergreen. Yeah, but some people, I've we've done clients that say, "Look, I'm going to take your money, so I'm going to have the money in my bank account, and if I don't find anything within X time, like six months, if I'm looking for deals and I can't find anything after six months, I'm going to give you your money back." Um, because we're paying interest regardless say, yeah, if we have an investor or not. No but again, you don't have to. Right. That's I think you guys are doing a nice. That's one. That's the way you've decided. But some funds are like, hey, you're not going to get paid until we actually allocate that money. Now that's not as, as good of a deal for the investors. You yeah, guys are doing right. well by the investors. But again, the beauty of these syndications, you can structure them any way you want, as long as we're disclosing it. As long as everything is in that disclosure document. There's a lot of people take soft commitments and then they, you know, go find the deal based off the soft I don't commitments. Love that word. And I, I've never, I've never, <laughs> I've never. I prefer the term that. deposit because well, yeah. the soft yeah. commitments just imply that you just like, oh, I'm in for a hundred grand. You no, know, take me down. What we like to do is like, no, no, no. If you're in for a hundred grand, 
sign all the docs. So it's a legally binding thing. But instead of wiring us 100 grand, just wire us 10%, wire us 10K. And when we need the other money, we'll do a cash call. We'll say, hey, we just found a deal. We got in a contract. We need the other 90. And if for whatever reason you don't come up with the other 90, then you forfeit the 10%. So I have one. I have a question. Oh, I like that. Yeah, there's got to be teeth. Otherwise, you're always moving there. I have have a question. I think for the one year, sure. You know, I think we we do that. Okay, we can write it in the PPM. Yeah, yeah. maybe maybe the one year and the three. This is the difference between the five thousand dollars syndication and the twenty twenty five thousand syndication. You get these strategies from people who've been doing it fifty years together. Yes, and that's why we have you know utilized different securities attorneys and. Not that any of them have been, you know, bad or not good or anything like that. But you but found we, the right ones. At we the have end. Found yeah, the you, you landed the right in the right spot. We are <laughs> Premier Law Group is well, the best. So, question: Can you do more than one fund at one time? Can I have a five hundred six B, a five hundred six C? Can I have a fund to fund? Can I have a Reg CF? Can I have all four he's funds? Can you raise three hundred fifty million dollars, Cody? Is that what he's asking? <laughs> I'm just saying, yeah. can I can I do a syndication for a big five hundred unit apartment complex separately, yeah. and then in a, theory, the equity fund over here? Clear that's that just, it's different. You want to be very careful about the yes. advertising rules if you're going to take non-accredited investors. So y- y- the thing about five hundred six B is the rule is simply that you can't generally solicit or advertise. You need to be able to demonstrate that. Investors didn't come in as a result of any advertising or general solicitations. Mm-hmm. You've got to be very careful. And that's why I only wanted to do so. How one did like, t- one, like like one Uncle fun. G, Grant Cardone, do yeah. that? You know, yeah. because he's so out there, so uh, like everything's marketing all the time. How so was if he you able watch, to raise money so for- Uncle G is great, right? So what he did is when he started, if you go back to his social media, like five or ten, maybe fifteen years ago, he started with five hundred six C. And his minimum investment was 250, 500. I mean, these were like for high net worth individuals because he wanted to advertise. But as his profile got bigger and bigger, he wanted to take all of these non-accredited. He wanted to take $1,000, $1,500. So he went with another exemption. Remember, the rules are the same. Register, find an exemption, or it's illegal. So his exemption is one's called Regulation A. Instead of D, it's Regulation A. And that allows him to advertise. You're going to love this one, Cody. It allows you to advertise and take non-accredited. Mm-hmm. And it, so Cody's it, like, wait a minute. Like, wait, wait, why are, are we not doing that? And, and, right. and you can take minimums of 1500 2500 um, Well, actually, no, some, there's actually no, some there, limitations. There you can only, you can only you, if you're non-accredited, no, you can actually only invest a certain amount. Yeah, you're limited. You can only amount. raise up to, I think. 75 it, million. So you couldn't, you'd have to be limited oh, to 75. 75 million? But here's a catch, there's Cody. I, know, I can see Cody's wheels going a little bit. So the difference is you have to actually register that. It's kind of a mini registration with the SEC. So you prepare the documents, then you have to submit those to the SEC. And then you spend the next six to nine months going back and forth with the SEC and the attorneys at the SEC because they're going to say, well, I don't like this. I don't like that. Your website, so you got to change this. What's this? What's that? So you literally go back and forth with the uh, securities attorneys at the SEC and it usually takes about six and I think Grant, from what I understand, because I know the attorney who helped him the first time because he was a public figure, they gave him a little bit of a harder time. So I think it took a little bit more than the nine months, but there's the registration part, which number one means the cost is not 20 grand. It usually, it's like a hundred grand. It's right? closer oh, to a hundred yeah. grand. And then there's ongoing compliance. It's, it's not the same as when you're public, but instead, you know, when you're public, you've got these quarterly reports, these 10 Qs or whatever, mm-hmm. but you still have entry reports, exit reports, quarterly reports, audited financials, and there's like compliance, ongoing compliance. It's costs. a whole infrastructure. Yeah. 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 So it's a, it's yeah. a mass. So that's yeah. why most people don't do it. Um, but, but theory, that's what, that's what uncle G does. He does mostly reggae's. And we, we glossed over a really good question though, that you had, which is when is it required to have a PPM and when can you get away with not having a PPM? Well, it depends on the exemption, but in general, what I would say is 
you're only required under the law to do a PPM when you have non-accredited investors. So theoretically, you could, under the rules, not have a PPM for accredited only. But we, we, the only times we even do that is if you're raising money from like two or three investors that you've known for 30 years, 40 years, and it's kind of a small deal. And you're like, hey, I really know these guys really well. Uh, other than that, you, you know, investors typically want to see PPM because the PPM protects the investors, but also protects you guys. Right, because it's like, hey, if somebody says, "Wait a minute, I didn't know that you were going to do this and that, and this was a risk," oh, look at that page seventy-five. You know, there it is on, on section C. Um, and then other exemptions uh, may not require a PPM, but those are exemptions that we would never use, like like a Rule five hundred four, for example. I just throw that out there, but they're just exemptions that are so complicated that nobody nobody ever uses. So I have another question: How do you raise money? Right? I mean, is there family offices? Is there Talk to Cody. Um, yeah, I need to know how to raise yeah, hundred million dollars. You talk to Cody. No, I'm breaking it down for people. I, you get to have that. I have four podcast listeners that right now, like I'll throw in. Everybody else is like, yeah, good luck with the hundred million. <laughs> There's register investment advisors, RIAs. There are right, RIAs. which I there's a lot of oh, that's, that's tough. RIAs are tough. I'll tell you, and people are always like, oh, I'll just get a broker dealer or I'll get an RIA. The the problem with that was RIAs a lot of times have rules with their license about it's called selling away. Mm-hmm. So a lot of them hang their license with a broker that says, well, we sell products. So you can't be selling something that's not our products yep. to our client base. There's allowing in, in your PPM and allowing a, a, you said a class where you have the ability for other people to do fund to funds into your fund. Yep. So now you can duplicate that, you yeah. times a thousand people doing the same thing. And yeah, letting, feeder, we call those feeder funds, yeah. basically. Yeah. You know, yeah. Correct. Funds so that's, feed into so that's one way. Yeah. Um, doctors, dentists, you know, IRA, you know, every, worth, you know yeah. reaching out to those types of people. Um, you know, so just throwing out ideas of where we find people that are accredited and how to build an accredited. Cody, you taking notes? Cody, yeah, Cody you taking notes? I really uh-huh. appreciate the education. Looking out for you. Uh, what what, what, what um, software did we use like behind the scenes to manage all of the people that piled so into we, our we, last we, one? We've used a bunch of different ones. We use Invest Next. We've used Appfolio. Uh, we're um, using Go High Level as our CRM to uh, create the funnels and the automations sequences. Um, and then there's a team. Let's talk about the team. So we're going to have important part. investor relations. We're going to have compliance. We're going to have, you know, let's talk about what does it need you know, who, who's your power partners? Who's your team when it comes to, you know, building out a hundred million dollar equity fund? Obviously I'm rep- biased, but your recommend? lawyers are, are really mm, the most important yep. part yep. of your team just while you're getting started at least. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I'll just, I'm going to toot our horn a little, a little here, which is <laughs> those, the $6,000 people that you talked about before. Yes. The PPM is a fraction of what it is that we do, right. That you've talked, we talk about the strategy and all of that. We're also going to guide you on all the things you're going to say while you're out shouting it from the rooftops and, and selling these securities, because everything you say to a potential investor becomes part of your offering. So it better match what we've been disclosing. It better match what your pitch deck or business plans say. And your website. And your website, right? all of it. And all we the review disclaimers, all of everything that. on your website. We make sure that that you are compliant, not during just the sale of the, the security, but in the offer of the security. Because so that's a, good fr- a good framework. Yeah, a great framework. Uh, I always give this example. It's like when you do a presentation, whether it's a webinar or in live or whatever, ju- just think of taking the transcript of that webinar and then attaching it to your offering docs. That's kind of what you're doing. So it's part of your offer. What are the no-nos, right? You, you don't say the word guarantee, right? That's a big no-no, right? What are some of the other no-nos when utilizing the, a fund? One of the biggest pitfalls I see, because we do a lot of deals with a lot of 
of influencers, right? People with really big audiences are out there all the time. The thing I, I see that's the hardest is making sure that whatever you say isn't misleading without further context. It's really hard to throw a disclaimer at the end of a, of a really short uh, Instagram clip. Right. So making sure that, hey, Cody said that it was going to be, hey, are you guys interested in getting 45% returns? Ooh, sounds kind of like you're offering that. We need some more context to make that not illegal. Right. So whatever it is you're saying, it's got to be clear or have that extra context to clarify. That's the biggest mistake I see. And just not that I'm a marketer or anything, but usually a good marketing, this is for you, Cody, if you want to take some notes, um, <laughs> a good strategy is actually on the social media side is actually to, to promote the webinar, obviously, instead of, because a lot of people are like, oh, I've got this deal and they give all the details. It's a, it's a hundred unit apartment building. It's a 12% return. It's the, they give all the details, which is always a little bit scary because you get into these, like to her point, the anti-fraud provisions, because you're, you're not allowed, you're supposed to disclose all the material facts, but you're also not, you're supposed to not omit or leave out material facts that would make your statement sort of inaccurate or misleading. So if you just say, I'm going to, you know, you're getting a 12% return. Okay, fine. But you left out all the risks and all the stuff out here because you didn't have room. So usually you want to be a little bit more broad and, hey, we've got a deal. You know, it's an equity deal. It's between 10 and 15%. We're doing a webinar tonight. Here's the link. Go register. And then on that landing page, you can put a lot more disclaimers than you can on a on a, well, on a social media post. Look, we're here. Actually, the reason we're here is because you are the GOAT, right, of marketing. If you just remember in this instance, your lane, which is top of funnel. You're top of funnel. You're driving traffic to whatever the next level of funnel is so that you can get to that webinar and sell. still do that, right? Still do that. You're not selling somebody $100,000 securities from an Instagram post. You're just not, mm-hmm. right? So why get yourself in trouble and why risk it if it's not going to yield what you want anyway? So you're top of funnel. Just treat it like that. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, a lot of people, it's funny. It was like, oh, I'm going to do a 506C. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to advertise this thing on social media. And then they're like, oh, that didn't work. It's like, yeah, it doesn't, it's not that easy. <laughs> it's not that easy, right, process, right, right? They should all hire you to do the process. Yeah, I, I have no doubt we'll raise tons of money. You know, I was prepared f- to fill up the $50 million fund. Now I just got to like shift my belief system a Double little down. bit. This is, this is how that shit works, right? It's like, oh, okay, we're going for it. I just love what we're doing in commercial real estate so much. I'm so excited. These deals are phenomenal. They're big. Uh, I'm having fun again. I'm not fucking around with these little shitty deals, you know, like we're doing the big boy stuff. (laughs) And it's like fully reignited like my passion for real estate over the last couple of years. So I've had a lot of fun with that. And I think now is the time commercial real estate is just so prime right now with the way the market is. So- I don't know. We covered a lot, a lot of, yeah, a lot of good yeah, stuff with, 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 the, with the funds. Hopefully you guys learned something from it. You know, how, how would they get a hold of you if they wanted to check you out on social media? Yours? Yeah, Bethany underscore LaFlam, L-A-F-L-A-M. Uh, you can do, I've got a YouTube channel. I've got pretty much every single topic on there. So Mauricio Raul on the YouTube channel or on Instagram. I just found out about Instagram like a month ago <laughs> at Mauricio Raul on Instagram. It's been under a rock. I yeah. have. And your guys' law firm website? Premierlawgroup.net. Uh, so premierlawgroup.net. Net, N-E-T. Yeah, and if they go there and they say, hey, I heard you on the Clever Investor Show, make sure you you take good care of them, you know? Absolutely. You know, and, and, and don't be scared to start your first fund. Maybe it doesn't have to be $100 million. Maybe it could be, hey, I want to go out there and raise a million bucks. I want to go out there, and, you know, and out of the million, you actually raise 600K and you, you know, get your business started. So... I don't know anything else, Brian. Clevercapitalfund.com and and email invest at clevercapitalfund.com if you if you want to set up a, a discovery session or anything else. We appreciate uh, you know. Yeah, the guess who you're going to be talking help. to? You're not going to be talking to me. You're going to be talking to Brian. Brian, I just wanted you to know, Brian has actually done a phenomenal, phenomenal job learning all the nuts and bolts and everything that has to do with the admin side of the fund. 
uh, I'm just going to be the marketing guy on the front end and then the real estate dude on the back end out there, out there doing the actual deals. But uh, what was it again? Invest at clevercapitalfund.com. Go. All right. Hopefully you got some value from this one. We appreciate you for hanging out with us. Go check out their social media accounts uh, and tell them that you heard of them from the Clever Investor Show. Until next time, we're out of here. Take care. Come here. Peace. <laughs>